So here we are back at another outreach and we are in London for the second time this year. This has been the third outreach from 2016 and it's been a great uh, year to do outreach work to get the word of God out and it's good to have you all back with us around the table. I thought what I'd do is just do some basic verses this morning, nothing too deep, just to set the pace over the next several days and we start in Acts chapter 16 to take a look at the plan of salvation. We are going to visit many towns around London or districts within London over the next several days and the highlight will be Speaker's Corner this coming Sunday which was pretty full on around June time and it's important that we know what the gospel is. Let's start in Acts chapter 16, look at verse 28 please. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. The context is... Concerning Paul and Silas, they've been detained. They are in jail or prison. They are awaiting inspection or interrogation. They've been singing uh, psalms or hymns. It's around midnight. The jail is crowded and an earthquake, 26, has occurred. And the walls have come down, literally. And Paul, as the leader of the two, cries out and he says to the uh, jailer, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And the point of him saying that was because had these prisoners escaped, the jailer would have killed himself. 29. Then he called for light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's a great question. What must I do to be saved? And 99% of churches think you need to be part of a place in order to be saved. Or in order to stay saved. And of course you're saved by believing on a person. It was Arthur Pink. The great 20th century Calvinist. Who said that faith in Christ alone wasn't enough. You needed works. A lot of works. And he said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. And thy house. The latter part of 31. Gets picked up by the covenant theology crowd. Which feeds into infant baptism. Get your kids baptised. Covenant theology, I'll come to that in a moment. But the answer very simply is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means to trust in him. I guess it's like this. You rush to the hospital and you are told you need an operation. And they say to you, we have a great doctor. He's an expert in this field and that field. He's done thousands of operations. And you say, that's nice to know. But will you trust him to operate on you? He may be the great physician this great surgeon but will you give him your consent to operate on you or maybe it's like this you go to uh, your local um, airport and uh, you need to board a plane and they say this is the number one airline around the world nice comfortable seats good value so on and so forth is that's all very well but will you have the faith to board the plane you need to appropriate uh, the atonement on the one hand but you need to apply your faith on the other hand And for many people, they have a mental consent. Yes, I know Jesus is Jesus, and I know the Bible is the Bible. And we'll see that crowd at Speaker's Corner this coming Sunday. But have you believed on him? Have you trusted in him? Did you give your consent to the surgeon to operate on you? Did you board the plane? Did you put your faith in the captain to get you from A to B? That's a personal faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust on him. And thou shalt be saved. That's a great deal. And it means just that. You will be saved, pardoned exonerated but the latter part of 31 and thy house 
gets flagged up by Catholics and Protestants to suggest that your children must be baptised, christened, they call it, in order to be saved. Let's keep reading on. Look at uh, 32, please. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. So Paul and Silas have started to speak to the Philippian jailer, an ordinary Gentile who was going to take his own life, as I say. He's heard them singing uh, psalms and hymns. He's heard some of the gospel. He has responded in a positive sense. But they are now speaking the word of the Lord. 32. Faith comes by hearing and in by the word of God. And to all that were in his house. So you've got Paul and Silas preaching the gospel, explaining the gospel to the occupants of the jailer's house. You can't get infant baptism from this piece of scripture. In fact, you were told over in Hebrews 11 that you need to have faith in the Lord. Uh, it says, don't bother coming to him without having faith in him. It's like paraphrase. But the point is you've got to have personal faith in order to be saved. And my next message I'll do will be on universal salvation for infants, those that have died prematurely. There's no place called hell for children. This ridiculous concept, which used to be called limbo, which I'll talk about probably tomorrow. Let's keep reading on, 33. And he took them the same hour of the night, and what's their stripes? So baptized, he and all his straight way. So this jailer has taken them, Paul and Silas, washed their stripes, and was baptized. This is quick as well. Most churches will say, come along, spend six months listening to the pastor. In fact, if you go to the Brethren Assembly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you start at the back of the church, and you work your way to the front. They want to know who you are, who recommended you, what your background is, are you really on the same page as they are, and after several weeks and months of being part of this system, they then baptize you. It's not straight away. But this guy has been witnessed to, he has invited Paul and Silas in to further explain the gospel and was baptised straight away. And yet most churches will make you wait weeks, if not months, before they're baptised. You here, straight away. And it says, he and all his straight way. Look at 34. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. It's personal faith. You've got a man, let's say he's 50, Let's say he's got a couple of kids in their 20s. He's got a wife, shall we say. The suggestion is that he's got young children. But we don't know that. That's reading into the text what isn't there. I believe he's probably in his 50s, maybe a little older, a little younger. Probably got a wife, children. All of the age of accountability. All able to discern right from wrong. So if I was to sum up these verses from 28 down to 34, I would say this, that Paul has been asked the question of all questions... Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he doesn't say go and join a local church. He doesn't say get baptised. He doesn't say do your first communion. He doesn't say start tithing. He says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as a person. Not go to a particular place and get the sacraments. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved straight away. Comma and thy house. But looking at 32, 33, 34, those in the Philippian jailer's house had to hear the gospel in order to be saved. Go to Romans chapter 3. So when people put works into the equation, and 99% of churches do, they are heretics, quite simply. You're saved by the blood, and you're kept saved by the blood. Works come later. That's true. We were told from Ephesians 2.10, how we've been saved unto good works, like this week in London. 
standing on street corners for hours on end in the cold weather, holding up banners and speaking to people. That's your works, but that is done because you are saved, not in order to be saved. Romans chapter 3, Paul the Apostle, speaking to the church. Verse 20, please. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is a knowledge of sin. Now, if you get that down from an early stage in your Christian walk, you will never stumble. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, Ten Commandments, Sabbath keeping, abstaining from foods, Ten Commandments, there shall no flesh, Jew or Gentile, be justified, exonerated, pardoned in his sight, being the Lord, of course. For by the law is a knowledge of sin. And that will also feed into tomorrow's message. Because until a child comes of age, they have no knowledge of sin per se. Yes, they are born in original sin, but there's a difference between being born in original sin to know the difference between right and wrong. And yet most churches, like I say, like 99% of churches, or I'll be maybe a bit more gracious, maybe 95% of churches, think you are saved by doing something, or kept saved by doing something, or if you don't do something, you will lose your salvation, or maybe you weren't saved to begin with. Arthur Pink, this great Calvinist, quote-unquote, ended up living on a Scottish island with his wife. And he had the belief that faith alone wasn't enough, and he pushed lordship salvation hard. And according to one premillennial scholar who's now with the Lord, he destroyed thousands of pastors, thousands of young Christian men. What's street preaching for? The Lord's chosen is elect. Why give out tracts? He's chosen the Lord's elect. And yet Spurgeon came along. Uh, actually, I should say he came before Pink, but Spurgeon was a moderate Calvinist. And he said, no, we don't know who the Lord has chosen or he hasn't chosen. Of course, that's still the Calvinist position of predestination, you understand. But even Spurgeon would preach the gospel, give out tracts, as would John Wesley. But Pink, he would say, faith alone, it's not enough. The devils believe and tremble. They can't understand that you're not going to be saved any other way. So when it says here, therefore, by the deeds of the law, old covenant, going to the new covenant, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. They can't get it. By the law is a knowledge of sin. 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For of sin to come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the mission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just, and to justify of him which believeth in Jesus. Wonderful words, and yet overlooked time after time. Let's break this down. 23, uh, actually 22. Even the righteousness of God which is by faith. It's a free gift of Jesus Christ. Unto all and upon all them that believe. It's like me putting some money into your bank account and telling you that I put some payments or some money into your account to cover a debt. And you say, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And you just become somewhat indifferent towards that. It's not going to help you, is it? You've got to withdraw the money and spend it. You have to, you have to appropriate the atonement. You have to apply it to your account. For there is no difference. For all have sinned, and that includes Mary, Muhammad, the popes, everyone and everything. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I'll say this, even after you are saved, you still fall short of the glory of God. 
I got an email from a guy in California last uh, week, a new Christian, and he said to me that uh, he is aware of all the preachers in this country that are doing street work, and he's quite right. Most preach lordship salvation, Calvinists, Arminians, and he said, I get sick and tired of hearing these uh, street preachers going on about how they're now saved and they don't sin anymore. They're like sinless. And he said, it makes me so sick. And he's absolutely right. You're saved, yes, and yet you still fall short of the glory of God. That's what you're told over in First John, that if we say we haven't sinned, speaking to saved people, we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And yet these people, very much in the Arthur Pink camp to some extent, and also John Wesley, who taught you to lose your salvation, very much a holiness preacher, are kidding themselves. Not to mention they are really clashing with justification. 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Not the Catholic Church, not the Mormons, not the Jehovah's Witnesses. I know this is simple stuff for us sitting around this table this morning. But for many people, this goes right over their heads. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, precious blood, divine blood. And we are also told from Hebrews how he went into the Holy of Holies and left his blood there. And I believe that to be literal. I don't spiritualize that. To declare his righteousness for the mission of sins that are past to the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness. Not your righteousness, but his righteousness. That he might be just, and that justify of him which believeth in Jesus. And yet again, this goes right over the heads of pretty much everybody. And if people got this down, they would never stumble. They would never fall into Lordship Salvation. Go to Revelation chapter 1, please. Revelation chapter 1. A book that I'm currently reading through. Revelation chapter 1. Look at verse 5 please. And from Jesus Christ who is a faithful witness. And the first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth. And him that loved us and washed us from our sins. In his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Washed in the blood. People sing about this. Are you washed in the blood? Are you trusting in the blood? And when people look at you like you're somewhat strange to ask such a question, then you're dealing with probably unsaved people because you can't be saved any other way. God's blood saves us. Colossians chapter 1, Christ is the preeminent one. His holy blood has saved us. You've also got Peter speaking about his precious blood. In fact, some years ago, I was speaking to a rabbi and uh, I said to him, uh, what tribe are you from? He didn't know, of course. Nobody knows. After 70 AD, all the records were destroyed in the temple. Said, I'm a Cohen, and we think that the Cohens are the Levites. He doesn't know, he's just guessing. And I got on to the Lord, of course, and I said to him, uh, it says that uh, Christ's blood is God's blood. And he had no interest in that whatsoever. But of course, he's a Jew. He's under the law. He's trying to justify himself. And it very clearly told from the third chapter of the book of Romans that nobody's going to be justified by the deeds of the law. And yet for many of these people, they couldn't imagine being reconciled to an all-holy God any other way. But here, and from Jesus Christ, verse 5, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. He was the first to go into the tomb and come up. Of course, he also would resurrect himself, according to John chapter 2. And the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, 
past tense, and washed us from our own sins, or from our sins, in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Now, for today, we are spiritual priests. We're going to go into the streets later today. I'm going to speak to people, give out tracts, and interact with people. We are spiritual priests, men and women. But women are not pastors. Women are not Bible teachers. Women are limited. In fact, what does James chapter 3 say? Don't be many masters, because we all offend in many points. Not all men are called to be leaders, which should also be made clear. But we are spiritual priests, which means we all have the responsibility, men and women, to preach the gospel as and when we can, as faithfully as we can. And yet in the millennial kingdom, some of us are going to be kings. We're going to have crowns. We're going to be ruling and reigning with the Lord for a thousand years. And that also feeds into being saved unto good works. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Salvation is a simple deal. You just take the Savior's hand. You trust in him, you believe on him, and you're saved. There's no works involved. But you're saved unto good works, which is where people get tripped up. They put works for salvation, or they put works alongside salvation. And of course, they can't be sure whether they're saved or not. This is where Pink fell flat on his face. He thought that it was faith and works. Which also goes into dispensationalism. That when the rapture's been gone, those that get saved in tribulation need to have works to stay saved. And if they don't keep working, they lose their salvation. That's impossible. Acts chapter 15, Peter told us that we couldn't keep the law. It was a great yoke around our necks. And yet these people, self-righteous, lordship salvation, Calvinists on one hand, works righteous, holiness being the Armenians on the other hand, completely kid themselves. And they robbed the Lord of his glory and put a stumbling block in the paths of many people. So you are... A priest in a spiritual sense now, male or female, and one day you'll be a physical priest. It could be in the third temple, which gets built, Revelation 11, which seems to extend into the millennium. But kings and priests, under God and his Father, saved us from our sins, washed in his own blood. In fact, go to First Corinthians, give one more scripture. There's no particular order today, I'm just looking at different verses that come to mind, that I think maybe of interest to us. First Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Very much in reference to the millennial kingdom. And yet most people think this is in reference to salvation. It's not. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. But ye are washed but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirits of our God. And yet again, people don't seem to understand this. You're justified, which means you've been pardoned, sanctified, set apart. You've been made holy due to the name of the Lord Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and by the spirits, Holy Ghost of our God. So if you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts chapter 16, if you trusted in him, if you put your faith in him, and I did 14 years ago, you are saved. And according to Ephesians chapter 4, you are sealed unto the day of redemption. We call that eternal security. Once saved, always saved. Or if saved, always saved. And again, this is simple stuff. This isn't rocket science. I'm not giving you anything too deep this morning. This is our first day in London. This is our second trip this year to this great city. 
But for so many people, they can't fathom this. You mean to tell me there's no works involved? You mean to tell me I don't need to join a church or go to Mass or be a good Mormon or do 30 hours a week going door to door, pushing the EJWs? That's right. You are saved, verse 11. Sanctified, verse 11. Due to the name, the person, the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. And I think if people could get that down, they would rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But I started in Acts 16, and I will go back to Acts 16 very briefly and close in Acts 16. Sometimes it's good to read a passage more than once. Paul cried with a loud voice. Why? Well, because it's important. This guy would have gone to hell had he died without Christ. Do thyself no harm. Don't trust your own works. And yes, I'm spiritualizing this now. For we are all here. We haven't departed from this detention center, a picture of captivity, a picture of the world, before you got saved. We are all here. We don't fear anyone or anything. Then he called for light. Christ is the light of the world. And sprang in. Now hanging around. What does it say? Now is a day of salvation. And came trembling. Good picture of somebody who has been convicted. Something which is very much lacking today. And fell down before Paul and Silas. Get down in your knees. Believe in the Lord. And there's no worship here also, I should say. Some people might think that this chap, the Philippian jailer, is somehow genuflecting or somehow worshipping Paul and Silas. No, he's coming into their jail. Maybe it's a small jail. Maybe he's got to get down on his knees. I don't know. I mean, I went to the pyramids in uh, 2005. And I had to go down on my knees to get into the pyramids and literally on my knees to come out of the pyramids. It's very cramped. It's a tiny space. And for days I was aching. I wasn't worshipping the pyramids. I had to literally get on my knees to get into this tiny door and uh, almost walk down on my hands and knees. I'm not exaggerating. It was really steep and cramped. But this man has fallen down before Paul and Silas. He's looking in, trying to see what's going on. It's probably pitch black as well. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I've heard you guys singing about this Jesus. There's been this earthquake. The walls have come down. The bars have come off the, off the, uh, the windows. There are many prisoners here. And nobody has left. That shows the Lord is very much in control. He's kept everyone in their place. Another great picture of saving a sinner. And keeping a sinner saved. Like he did with Noah on the ark. And they said... Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved and thy house. If you believe, Mr. Jailer, on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Right here, right now. All of your past, present and future sins. And according to Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. Neither death, nor persecution, nor famine, beasts, Height, depth, so on and so forth can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved right now in thy house. No works involved. 32, 33, 34. His family hear the gospel. They receive the gospel. They rejoice in the gospel. They get baptized straight away. That exact moment or maybe shortly after hearing the gospel, but not weeks later, unlike many churches, not months later, like most churches, they got baptized straight away. And yet today, this never happens. Like I say, you go to a typical brethren church or a Baptist church, you've got to go for weeks 
In fact, the Catholics spend months teaching you. They call it the uh, RICA from memory. And they want to initiate you into what they believe. We believe this. We believe that. You have to believe this. You have to believe that. In order to be a good Catholic. There's no RICA here. There's no catechism here. Because Paul knew that if this man wasn't saved straight away and would die, he'd go straight to hell. Time is of the essence. And yet for many people, I haven't got a care in the world. Too busy doing religion. And they get baptised. Total immersion. I might also add, he and all his 30 three straight way don't delay don't put off tomorrow what you can do today and i'll finish in verse 34 again and when he had brought them into his house picture of intimacy almost a picture of asking christ into your heart uh revelation chapter three i stand and knock at the door if any man hears my voice my knock and asks me to come in receives me and so on and so forth i'll have fellowship with him he set meat before them Christ will feed you with spiritual food and rejoiced. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Believing in God, personal faith with all his house. Providing, of course, that they were A, old enough to comprehend the gospel and be willing to believe the gospel and as a result would get saved. There's no covenant theology here. And don't take me to 1 Corinthians 7, which speaks about the unbelieving spouse being uh, sanctified. So your children aren't defiled that is not in reference to salvation that is in reference to a safe party remaining uh, clean in a spiritual sense due to having relations with an unsaved spouse and as a result their children not being somehow defiled it has nothing to do with salvation whatsoever so there you are Acts 16 Romans chapter 3 Revelation chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 just a very general overview of the gospel which is faith in Christ alone, which the reformers would refer to as being sola fide and sola scriptura.